Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Pagongo and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite for a chat about mental health and the new Vans video, Nice to Meet You. Mental Health Awareness Week was last week, so in true skate fashion, this is the week DC and John Gardner released a bunch of mental health tips and, of course, a John Gardner capsule collection, too. Jason, did you find any of these tips helpful? Yeah, first of all, shout out John, who I guess is the TM over at DC and whoever else in charge made this video happen. Damon Way, is Damon Way still involved over there? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, there was a bunch of helpful shit in this video. First of all, A, like overall, like Dr. Huberman said, I think he's a doctor, your body and your mind work together. Like you can't just meditate and fix your mind. Like all that shit works together. So that, that's why next big takeaway, it's easier to talk to someone when you're doing something, you know what I mean? Like skating. That's why shooting pool, going to Dave and Buster, shit like that is a good date. Cause it's way easier than, you know, just sitting around. Oh, like, Hey, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like doing shit. That's a big takeaway. Also the third thing when at the beginning, when you said like, yeah, I thought once I went pro, everything would be good, but you know, I still felt the same way. It's kind of like wherever you go, there you are, you know, like everyone thinks, Oh, once I get this job, everything will be straight, like, or once I get this car, or once I hook up with this girl, blah, 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 but you still have the same shit, like, you're still the same person, you know what I mean, so you got to deal with it yourself, you know what I mean, so those are the three main takeaways, I thought, good shit. Damn, I didn't even, like, pick up on the wherever you are, there, or wherever you go, there you are aspect of it, and I think that's, like, I don't know, I think I just had a breakthrough right here on the podcast, like, you know, I, I've certainly yeah, had feelings like that, like, uh, like you know, once this is over, things will, like, change or whatever, and then they don't, and, yeah, it's just, it's just me. It's just my shit that needs to get dealt with. Patrick, what do you think of uh, all this mental health awareness? I think it's awesome. I think it's wonderful that we are getting to a space in skateboarding where we're actually starting to talk about not just jingoism around mental health, but talking about coping mechanisms and I think the inclusion of uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman was uh, a really big help. I normally stay away from folks who pontificate on YouTube, um, but his channel is actually surprisingly wholesome, especially his discussions of routines and moderation. And, you know, thinking specifically about sponsored skateboarders, there's something very disruptive about being uh, an am or a pro towards one's mental health. Not to say that like it's it's destructive for everybody, but there are a lot of aspects of it. It's the insecurity, whether it's financial or otherwise. It's those continual rushes of adrenaline that come from pushing yourself so hard for filming. It's the for some people, the lengthy periods of time of, of inactivity where you're not doing much, you're not delivering much, which can sometimes lead to some feelings of uh, some weird feelings when, as you reflect on them. For some people, it shows up as imposter syndrome. And I think we're just really starting to scratch the surface. And what's interesting, too, is that John was, he was really awesome when he pointed this out, that mental health doesn't have a signature feature, that um, there's not some big tell uh, that you can just look at somebody a stranger, that is, and be able to tell, ah, oh, that person is suffering from depression. You know, it shows up in everybody in very, very, very different ways. And I was wondering for, for both of you, what is it about 
the moment right now that skating and professional sports in general, because in that aspect, you know, skating is pretty much with the times and talking about a lot of these issues around mental health. Why now? Why are we just talking about this now? Yeah, good question. Maybe just with current events and whatnot, there's a lot more stressors out there. Yeah, it is kind of in the zeitgeist right now. Like that one tennis player, um, Naomi Osaka, I think, she like dropped out of a tournament because, you know, for mental health or whatever. There are all these Instagram pages about self-care and whatnot. You know, that's a phrase you see all the time. But it's it's kind of become like a corporate buzzword even. You know what I mean? Like at my job, they're always like, well, remember to practice self-care, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's like practice self-care, but uh, I need this on my desk by the end of yeah. the day. So um, get cracking, buddy. Yeah, or yeah. just like take some time for yourself. Just like, why don't you give us more paid leave? It's like, hey, my guy, you're asking a little too much. Right. So no, like, <laughs> no, it just seems even in the NBA, like when people were in the bubble, it was it was like, you know, crazy like mental health stressor, like they're with their family all the time. So I don't know. It seems like a combination of shit, like mental health being like more acceptable to talk about, plus a bunch of stressors just out there, like current events, pandemic and shit that kind of all came together. What was weird was that there were people in the tennis world who were honestly and tennis is tennis is so frighteningly retrograde especially when it comes to the press there were basically there were journalists former players practically screaming at naomi osaka being like you've got a lot of nerve you know how many people would kill for your to be in your position to be one of the best tennis players in the world and you're downing your racket because you don't feel well what the hell is this and they don't seem to understand that Especially now with 30 for 30s, especially now that we have a, a much deeper, 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 deeper catalog of sports documentaries where we get to hear people bear on, talk about being in some particularly stressful and difficult tournaments or games, matches, whatever. These, a lot of these mental health uh, episodes, a lot of these challenges are not new. It's just that back then you just didn't talk about it. Or it would be like, for example, in baseball, they have the yips, right? Uh, where all of a sudden, you know, can't hit, can't pitch, can't nothing. You know, you're just errors all day, every day. You know, it, it, it's it's always been with us, but it, there's something that feels good about, there's something that feels really, really good about the fact that this is coming into the public sphere. But like, how do you also, how do you prevent this from becoming just a cliche and, you know, having companies say like, oh, self-care, but like y'all said, like you have assignments, you have work to do. And basically they are always focused on the deliverables. Yeah, that's tough. Well, the way I see it on a day-to-day level, like you, you got to do what you got to do to take care of yourself because your employer ain't going to do it. No one else is really going to do it. So for example, you have to prioritize your mental and physical health, whether that's lifting or running or getting enough sleep, which sounds stupid, but it, it's really you know important as far as, you know, recharging your serotonin and shit. So just, you know what I mean? On a day-to-day level for the everyday person, it's just like setting boundaries with your employer or, you know, people who ask shit for you and just being like, no, like, you know what I mean? Because if you're miserable, if you don't get enough sleep, you're miserable, you're no good to anyone. Oh, you know wow. I mean? Or like if, you, if you're like been inside, sitting at a desk all day, do, doing whatever the fuck you do on a spreadsheet, got no exercise, like you feel miserable, or you're not going to be as good, you know, you're not going to be any good to anyone. And like I, a million percent, feel better and I'm more effective at my job if I go out and lift in the morning. You know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? You got to do what you got to do to practice self-care. So taking this out of the office and into the streets, what do y'all think are some of the things that make 
skateboarding the kind of place that isn't an ideal space to work in and because people work in skateboarding you know you, if you're sponsored if you work in distribution if you own a company if you're a part owner of a company if you own a shop like what is it about skateboarding that what is it about the skateboard industry that can trigger some people can trigger mental health episodes because skaters are crazy <laughs> i i think also as far as like sponsored skaters there's no set office hours you know so you can fuck off for a long, long time before anybody notices. So you don't have that routine to keep you kind of in check. And you, you can go pretty far and nobody's going to notice or nobody's going to say anything. And skateboarding has like a pretty long history with like substance abuse and stuff like that. And is, you know, really adept at marketing substance abuse. So, you know, if you've got a problem, maybe you can just spin that into your personality and, um, you know, put like a weed leaf or like some booze on your next graphic and you'll, it'll probably sell really well. Yeah. Plus like, you know, I don't know what it's like to be a pro skater, but I would imagine there are crazy emotional highs and lows. Like if you land a big trick or something, that's insane. You know, come out with a video part, everyone's cheering for you. You know, everyone loves you. Then you might get injured. Then you're kind of like solo for a while. So that's gotta be a, gotta take a toll. I would imagine at some point. And y'all yeah. you know, just reminded me of something that came up in an interview, one of several interviews with uh, Jacob Rosenberg, including his lengthy nine club. You know, he talked about uh, one thing that was helpful for him was that, you know, he said, he, and I'm quoting, I'm paraphrasing him, but he said, you know, I'd come from a difficult family background and sold it to Carroll Brothers and actually a lot of the kids at, at EMB. And so skating was a safe space for them. And they got to grow up to, you know, they got to grow up together and they got to spend time with each other. But, you know, also in the 1990s, we have to remind ourselves that it was still cool to be a dick. And a lot of, there was a lot of bravado and a lot of um, people had this tendency to kind of really put up walls. And in some instances, it was because they were really protecting themselves because of uh, um, something or some things that happened or were continuing to happen from, you know, at home. And, and I think that's something about, it's, it's a difficult subject. I mean, one of the great advantages of skateboarding is that you get to meet people from lots and lots of different backgrounds. You get to meet people from all over the world. But there is an element of skateboarding that does attract people who've got no place else to go um, and that they find uh, an emotional refuge in, in, in skating. And that can be a lot to manage as that person grows up and they're working in an industry they're skating or they started a company which has never really accommodated for a lot of these challenges. You know, you know, I, I, you know, I reckon that most companies, you know, most skate companies do not have uh, an HR representative, which then leads to, like this other question. You know, we've there's been a lot of talk in skating about addiction. And I know that uh, there are some team managers who are trained in how to uh, administer Narcan. Um, but what about, say, emotional Narcan? Like, should team managers or owners do some sort of training or work to be able to, A, identify if a friend or a rider, an employee is going through a crisis? I mean, like, you know, we've all read stories about people who've, quote unquote, freaked out in the van and in retrospect, you realize, like, this person may have been having a manic episode or something. So how do you how do you bring some of these, you know, it, it can't always be on the individual. There has to be some sort of like institutional 
organizational accountability that will help. Like, what can skaters do given our limited means and training and and such to you know provide emotional Narcan to people to provide that support to be able to recognize a crisis? Man, I don't know. I I do think that like the team manager, it's kind of there. It's kind of on them to look out for that kind of stuff. And I, like you said, there's probably not much training for those folks, you know, about that kind of thing. Uh, so I don't know. Um, yeah, I think I think we just have to kind of look out for each other, which is a pretty um, uh, inadequate way of doing things most of the time. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Maybe because if you think about it, a team manager is a human resources position, right? You're managing the sounds weird or whatever but like you're managing the human resources of the brand you know and maybe it wouldn't be crazy to like set some shit up or like all right you're the team manager we need you to take this like baseline hr certification or something or like um suicide prevention training like they did it in my job everyone is you know trained in like a certain amount of baseline suicide prevention training you know what i mean just something real simple because like you said like four brands or i don't know big Corpo shoe brands have HR. They probably do. But on the van level, I mean, yeah, you're like just like Sam Smythe, like the talent manager, you know? Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really great point and probably something that's within the reach for even a tiny, tiny skate company. Like if you can afford to put a bunch of people in the van or send some people in the van, you might be able to do that. Because, for example, I, I imagine that most team managers know some first aid. If if they haven't received like a formal first aid training, I mean, goodness, you you are you're going to be the first responder before the actual um, like a nine one one an ambulance or an EMT yeah. whoever can get there. So shouldn't it be seen with the same you know the same gravity as like I need to know how to you know um, how to respond to a head injury or how to you know try tie a tourniquet or you know how to do chest compressions? It's like it's just the same thing, you know. It, it is you're caring for people in this very, 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 very limited space. And, you know, also like, think about it, like a team manager is also out in the, sometimes out in the middle of nowhere with the skaters. So they're really like, you might be the, you know, like you might be the difference between this person ending up getting locked up, right? For something going wild on the road and being able to be like, hey, maybe we should send you home. Like, let's talk through this. Let's work through this, that kind of thing. But. We, we still have a yeah. very, very long way to go, but I feel like that would be, at least be the A step to take. But, like, yeah. what else? Can you imagine what Rodney Mullen must have been going through, like, driving the van with all those world dudes? Oh, that poor guy. Trying to, trying to, <laughs> trying to, man, trying to manage those personalities. Yeah, I think, in general, the yeah. team manager is maybe the worst job in skateboarding. I, although, you know, you get to go on the trips and skate all the spots without the pressure, but I think having to manage... Uh, a bunch of skaters seems uh, very difficult, but some people thrive on that. And I think that the, the people who do well at team management are the people who kind of have a knack for it and understand how to deal with people. So I think that they probably naturally have a, an inclination to be helpful in the way that people need to be helped. So maybe like a lot of what they're doing already would be what a professional would say, this is what you need to do to like, help somebody out in a mental health crisis. No, I feel that. But then I guess then like the other question I have is, you know, especially as we're getting more comfortable talking about uh, mental health, I think one of the, the scarier things has been losing skaters over the last few years. I mean, 
going back as far as I can remember, losing skaters um, to, to suicide, you know, people who've chosen to, to end their own life. And there's something that's because skating is so tiny and John talks about this because skating, even if you include all of the rank and file skateboarders, there's something about it that feels so tiny. And, you know, you can, especially in cases where it's somebody who you really looked up to, somebody who's skating you, you were really excited about and, and whose career you follow, there's something that's so destructive and so jarring uh, when you find out, when you hear that news about somebody. And I think what's, what's really, like, it, it's been really awesome to see skaters really actually creating their own resources, creating foundations. But like, what can the, what can the industry do more of? You know, we're seeing people responding on their own and, and, and trying to fit, work their way through this. But what can the industry do more of? I think what DC is doing is a, is a great first step, you know, like starting the conversation and kind of putting someone out there to be kind of like the face of it. And then we've got <clears throat> what's happening with like the Ben Ramers Foundation and then what John Rattray is doing. So there, there's stuff happening, but it, it seems to be more on like a nonprofit side of things and not not really a thing that the brands are doing, but maybe maybe they're just supporting these folks doing it kind of on the side, which I think is like a, a good, a, a great thing and a good first step. And I think that, um, you know, there's probably just going to be more of that. And I, I don't know if, is another industry doing more or doing better than skateboarding in, in this kind of thing? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, other industries got way more money, so. <laughs> right, that's what I'm thinking. You know, like, can we just steal somebody else's ideas and bring that into skateboarding? Or, like, what's the skate, the skate version of the NBA's mental health initiative? I don't know. They could loan us some therapists. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the NBA, I'm trying to think, if they have, like, a mental health initiative or anything. So, well, like, I mean, have you yeah, ever seen an NBA player say, like, tell your friends you love them? You're like check in on your friends like you know i, I really don't think i have Man, so maybe skateboarding's leading the way yeah uh, it could be like there's kevin been, love um, kevin oh, love Ke oh yeah, yeah yeah kevin love yeah didn't he say like he was he was depressed or something yeah like, kevin love has been at the at uh at the forefront he's been talking about he's been very open talking about his depression there's there's a decent number of nba players who have been who've been speaking about their their struggles and and trying to normalize the discussions of uh, of therapy, and even though Kyrie Irving is wilding right now, just the fact that he just said like, "Yo, I'm not playing today. I'm not, you know, just taking time off and things like that." And people thought he was out of his mind, and maybe he is. But you know, like that's his prerogative. There's people we have all worked with people. We've all done this ourselves. Where you just like, you know, I'm just gonna take a day and just go skate. I'm just gonna go post up and not be at work. And there's something that's really important about that. But you know, like going to, to the thing about discussing therapy, I think uh, one of the biggest barriers in the U.S. is that it can be difficult to find a therapist uh, once you get past the stigma and you have to navigate through the insurance landscape. I'm super lucky. My wife is, uh, you know, member of a union and has top flight insurance. And we're both through her insurance and actually covered a really good uh, EMDR therapist for me some years back. And I am super hyped on therapy and would absolutely encourage everybody to go. But then the problem is that it can be so difficult because it's expensive. And I remember being like super broke when I was living in DC and I had just turned 30. And basically it was one of those, I woke up and realized what the hell am I doing with my life? And, you know, I went to, I saw a couple of different therapists. One was talk therapist, the other was cognitive behavioral therapy. 
And it was that therapist who had pointed out to us like, you know, really it's, it's less depression and more adjustment disorder. Adjustment disorder basically being anxiety and depressive uh, symptoms in a reaction to something that's happening. At the time I was working at a really, really stressful job and had definitely overcommitted myself like um, in terms of extracurriculars, namely like being in a ton of different bands and DJing and being, uh, you know, basically not getting enough sleep. But here's the thing you know, with that adjustment disorder. Skateboarding is filled with triggers that would make anybody lose their shit, you know? It could be just like one day too many living in a skate house. It could be too much time on the road, not enough time seeing family, drinking too much, like thinking about it all holistically. But I mean, what's the step to, to address like the lack of access to mental health? Cause like that's a, that's a barrier in itself and it's frustrating and like it, that's a systemic issue. Yeah, that's, that's fucking huge because like how many skaters out there have a primary care physician you know yeah or even have or even have the means or yeah i don't even have a primary care doctor i'm 42 years old and don't have a primary care doctor and i tried to make an appointment to start um having a primary care physician and uh my appointment is in january yeah exactly like it's ridiculous yeah navigating the the medical like you know i mean who wants to take time to do that like it's fucking torture you know i'd rather go skate or just just about do anything exactly like it it sucks like finding a provider who is in network right and you know back when um uh, back when i was 30 when i was seeing uh that round of you know was in that round of therapy i was paying out of pocket and the the therapist i was seeing who was absolutely brilliant took mercy on me um and i should give some context too i was working for a nonprofit. Um, that basically handed out 20 to 50% pay cuts to the entire staff. And I ended up having to take on three jobs and I was like driving me up the walls. You know, I was just exhausted all the time, you know? And like, that was like the primary, you know, that was the, the primary trigger right there. That was just, uh, you know, making me feel burnt out, making me feel depressed. And you know, like that's shit that was kind of out of my control. Like I couldn't just go and quit and just move out. You know, you got bills to pay and shit. And I really appreciate John talking about breathing exercises and like talking about this idea that, you know, you're going to experience suffering at different degrees. And like, here are some actions that you can take in the immediate short term and in the medium term to address it. Um, and that's something that's, that's super helpful. And man, like I, it was awesome hearing him say all of these things, but not everybody is going to be in the space to be able to not everybody's going to be as self-aware and not everybody's going to be able to have or be willing to pay the money yeah i mean shit like i'm i'm fortunate enough to have how quote-unquote good or quote-unquote the best health insurance and i'm paying out of pocket right now just because my therapist started her own thing you know what i mean she used to be in network next out network i was just like fuck it i'll pay out of pocket i don't want to go through the whole shit finding a person you know what i mean but um yeah that one breeding Thing is good it's really hard to come up with a, a toolbox for dealing with stress especially when you're used to you know just responding with like drinking or doing drugs or shit like that it ain't it ain't easy man especially if you've been doing it for a while well hopefully john gardner and dc's uh tips will help people build their toolboxes i know it helped me and this conversation also has helped me so um thanks for that guys I feel like we hear a lot of people say skateboarding saved my life, which kind of feels uh, cliche and maybe a little empty. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things that's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. 
for the most part, I don't know, it probably goes both ways. Like it probably ruined a bunch of lives too. You know, it's probably 60, 40, like one way or the other, but it's just like anything that people get into. That's any type of subculture that gets you psyched and gives you something to look forward to, whether it's like going out and doing it or, you know, new video or new movie or new whatever, you know what I mean? I feel, I think like, I don't know who said this, like it was probably a uh, rock to con, shout out rock to con, but like if Mike Carroll hadn't been in the skating, he would have been a rapper or something like that, you know? So it's kind of like any type of subculture that people get into, you know, that just gets you psyched. Most people don't have that. Most people don't have something that gets them psyched like skating does, you know? I don't know, like football or whatever. I don't know. But what do you think, Patrick? I'm of two minds about it. Um, I think a lot about the fact that skating introduced me to so much music and so much art and most importantly, people who changed my life. But I think it's the friendships, it's the people that you meet along the way that really are the thing that changes your life. But yeah, you're right. In every, in every cliche, there is a, a kernel of truth. But the, the thing about skating that really makes it special, um, that can be a lifesaver, and you hinted at this, is the idea that you're going out there and even if you are, have lost most of your tricks and you're getting on in your years, you're still going out and challenging yourself and trying to do something new. And, you know, we are all, either, we are all well over 30. And a lot of people our age are in a routine that does not challenge them that much. There's plenty of people who, who are, but, you know, there's something about picking up your board and going someplace, going to a, a new spot, going and skating something different. It, it opens up other parts of your mind and there's something so refreshing and so awesome about it. And it, it feels like it feels like your own little secret. You're, you're part of a secret club. Skateboarding can be skateboarding is going to continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And yet there's something about it that just feels so personal. And I think that's maybe where that um, that idea that people say it saved their life come from, because it almost feels like everybody comes to skating in a different way. You're not just like, oh, I was playing it in gym or, oh, I, you know, picked a team and I moved on. Like everybody comes to skateboarding in a different way. So maybe it saves your life because you get to, you feel as though you get to shape your own narrative around skating. Everybody's skateboarding story is different. Everyone's skateboard story is unique. You can even get two pros who started skating at the same time and you do a joint interview with both of them and each one of them, it's going to be so different. And there's something very beautiful about that. And I think also just the fact that like you get on a board and you're pushing down the street, it's that shit is cool, man. Yeah, nothing like it. <clears throat> Most people don't get to do cool shit. <laughs> it's true. There's a lot of cool shit out there, but a lot of people are just not doing cool shit. Yeah, what do people people do like Brazilian jiu-jitsu too, like Muay Thai? That shit is cool, cool too, I guess. Oh yeah, also physically challenging too, but like skateboarding is there's something I don't know what it is. There's just something about it that really it really pulls you in and it's like, it's super personal and you really can kind of make your own way about it. So it's, and also I think also probably like that, that feeling of being able to track uh, growth and progression, you know, it, and it's like, it's all on you, you know, you skate with your friends, you skate solo, but ultimately, you know, it's you who's learning the tricks. It's you who's uh, getting comfortable. It's you who's challenging yourself. And that's a hell of a feeling. And that's, um, and you know, it can in certain instances, it can be a thing that saves lives. And also, you know, for people who, for whom skateboarding allows them to see and do things they never thought they would have or would have dreamed of or could never afford. I mean, yeah, that's huge. I mean, like, you like still the way Stevie Williams tells it in his, that ESPN documentary from a few months ago. That shit was ill. Like, 
the way he talks about it, he's like, yeah, I would have ended up, you know, back in Philly doing some doing some not great things. And, you know, now I'm able to do this. I'm able to live this amazing life. Yeah, it's like it's like the doctor said in the video, like that feeling of landing a trick and riding away from it is really hard to replace. You know, you, it's better than any drug or fucking anything. I think not like I've done every drug, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it seem, seems like it'd be better. Well, my, my drug of choice is skateboarding. <laughs> it's my anti-drug. Uh, <laughs> last night, Vans uh, dropped a few pills. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> dropped a few pills. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, last night, Vans dropped Nice to See You, a global Vans video with a full part from Nick Michaels setting things off and Chima Ferguson taking the curtains with a two-song banger of a part. Patrick, let's start at the end. What did you think of Chima? That's a Sodi part if I've ever seen one. Real talk. Um, Do you think this is always, the, the beginning of a Sodi campaign? It's yeah, kicking guys, it off. Uh, it's, you guys smell that in the air? Yeah, what's that? What's that smell? It's, what's that funk? It's Sodi season. Woo, baby. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's, it's edited by Greg Hunt. He's skating to Bobby Womack and Dusty Springfield. Um, he's got his kid. He's got his dogs. Like, this was like, damn. Like, I, you know, it, it's... It's one of the, the weirder things about the real team that it's so stacked that there's so many good skaters on that team that you forget. Like, Chima's been there for a minute, and he's still amazing. And first of all, that kickflip of uh, the stair set with the fence in front, Oof. damn. Like, his blindside back threes, right? He is amazing. And also, first thing I thought about, just watching how beautiful everything looked. Like, we need to have a moratorium on filming parts in California. We need more parts filmed everywhere else. Just like... 2022, no more, no more parts in California. You got to go someplace else. Like it was just like a breath of fresh air. I loved all the all the Australia footage in there. It was great, and also like I liked the fact he was rocking a rocking a quarter snacks hat. You know, shout out the snack man. I mean, Jason Templeton, what'd y'all think? Like, what'd y'all think about Chima's part? Do you think it's Sodi worthy? And were you also as frustrated? as I was to hear Nick Michael skating to uh, Sunny Day Real Estate, because this is a trend that I am not liking. Well, well, we'll talk about the music supervision later, but yeah, Chima, it's like, it's like in the Karate Kid, like strike first, strike hard. Like he definitely uh, struck first in the Sodi battle this year. I mean, he's always been one of those dudes that I ever knew was super fucking good, really good switch back heel, but his, his image was always kind of like nondescript. You know what I mean? Might be, like you said, part of being caught in the like in deluxe machine with like so many dope scares and shit. But yeah, I'm glad he was able to put together a signature part, you know, being uh, 33 years old and shit. That to me is incredible. Like jumping down shit like that, being 33, especially in the shoes with those thin ass soles. I don't know how he does that shit. That to me is mind blowing. Shout out to Tian also. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Tian is the best. Like, yo, I, I always thought when when he was a little kid, he was like the Canadian guy, Mariano, like he still is. Like, I think he had like the best footage in this video, in my opinion. You know, I'm just a Etienne, like super fan or whatever. Like it. He did have good footage for sure. And I, I think, you know, he, his footage was in Dustin Henry's part. And I think that this is probably Dustin Henry's best footage. Like, I think he leveled up with this part. Yeah. You can definitely make a case for that. Like he's been a ripper for a while, like everyone's favorite Canadian and shit. So Yeah. For sure, it's probably better than his his last all timers part was fucking sick too. Like he's who's his oh he's on all timers yeah 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 I feel like he was just skating faster and like like more aggressive. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. The thing is, as Alzheimer's part, like a lot of manuals and shit this time, yeah, definitely more like fast, big ollies and shit, a little more aggro. Yeah, it was a little more aggro. That's a great, great way to put it. But yeah, Chima's part, super good. He gave me Reynolds vibes. I think like like the clothes that he was wearing, the way that he was landing, some of the tricks, had some frontside flips, fakie barrel heel down a big set, gave me Reynolds vibes like in, in the best possible way. Um, yeah yeah same here like just the way he landed and shit like so like light-footed like it you know a lot of times when people skate you know jumping or jump down big stuff it looks like their whole body is gonna explode you know he looked like he was just kind of just gliding he was you know all in a that ginormous triple set or you know kick flipping over some crazy rail or shit so yeah definitely a reynolds kind of vibe there Oh, man. His part was so good. Actually, and it's also fun. It's funny for me because I did not grow up on American oldies. So I know nothing about American music before uh, 1960. I mean, I know names and such and such, but like my parents were never playing that. And so this part, his part reminds me of um, CBS FM in New York, which uh, those of you who know, it still sounds like it's coming from a tin can. And it's so weird because... At some point, they're going to have to start playing rap music. So you're going to have like, all right, and that was a classic by the Notorious B.I.G. This is CBS FM, New York. Yeah, it's funny how those stations, like a lot of them just don't age. They just have like they're just playing the same music over and over and over. So maybe they'll never get Biggie on their on their airwaves. Uh-huh. Yeah, that uh, that Marianne Faithful song was pretty. No, it was Dusty Springfield, not Marianne Faithful. Yeah, it was good. It had the, the epic vibes that you that you need for that kind of skating. Mm-hmm. And speaking of dust, shit, there was a uh, little Dustin Henry in here. Du- Dustin Henry, uh, first of all, like um, showing off. Um, he, he's recently been spending a lot more time uh, talking about um, his First Nations heritage, and it was like what a part, what a part, including that part of his life, and also like damn, like all timer, all timer is another another one, another team, like very 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 good, stacked, stacked, and then also on the dusty tip. Uh, Dustin Dolan, surprise! Yeah, surprise! He rolled away from his trick <laughs> nicely at that. Like what? <laughs> yeah, that's two. That's two videos in a row where he he's got makes, which is like to me very off-brand for Dustin Dolan. His thing is to like try something and not land it. So I'm I'm happy for this new development. Yeah, what do you do? Like a little stale fit, no slide stale fish or some shit. No slide tail grab. No slide. Mm-hmm grab of some sort yeah it was like into some tunnel in paris or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. Pretty, under, pretty goth he's he's amazing goth, gothic spot he's the man i i've loved his skating since uh was it uh sight unseen where he's skating to the stitches mm-hmm. i mean yeah, he always had video. that crazy fast flick mm-hmm. this was actually like a surprisingly good video and i was just like oh 40 minutes come on dog in this, like, in this economy <laughs> kidding me <laughs> 44 minutes skate video but especially with the 5 nice. p.m premiere it's like damn dude put it on during my lunch break let me get it let me get an early start on this yeah that's going against all the um the metrics yeah i don't know i mean Drop. the van social scientists probably know no <laughs> better than we do about what the right time to post a video is to drop content but yeah i mean it was like the van's world tour there's like a spot porn from all over yeah dustin's part was cool because it was like the whole width and breadth of Canada. There's like some Vancouver spots, there's some Toronto spots, there's some in the middle spots, you know. Um, it's probably like the more like, probably like near his home area, which is tight. So yeah, man, it's like the official part of Canada or some shit. 
Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing about this video is it was like very regional and you could see it in the architecture. And usually with a skate video, it's like you got all these people and they all end up going on a lot of the same trips. So everybody's got tricks from Paris or China or Japan or whatever. But in this one, it's just like, yeah, all Dustin's stuff is in Canada and like all of uh, these other guys' stuff is in another place. We got like a cool regional feel from each section. We need yeah. more of it. Yeah, I skate where you live. Like that's what I want to see. So no more getting in the van, just be like, hey, get on the bus. Yeah, hop on your bike. Skate with your friends. Do some exploring. No, no uh, going to China or Dubai? Nope. No, 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 sir. no more going to Dubai to skate on Marble Ledge that no one's ever skated? Yeah, you, you just <laughs> you <got> to... <laughs> go to some industrial park and find something yeah. else that nobody's ever skated. Like like you have to get the permission of some uh, sultan or something? Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Sign a doctor. Sign an NDA or something, but uh, yeah, back, back to Nick Michelle. I think he's got a lot of juice right now, like really current style with like you know the clothes and everything. Like skate a lot of, I'm assuming LA spots that I've never seen before, which is tight. Was he in? Was he in a bunch of the? I mean, Nick Michael. Was he in a bunch of those Lotties videos? R.I.P. Lotties. I think yep. so. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, this yeah. uh, Def. There's um, I think he did an interview with Monster Children last year talking about Lotties and. Uh, making the trek from Vegas to LA to skate. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, like, uh, with regards to the lineup, um, definitely a lot more women in this joint. And that's always, especially like uh, seeing Brianna, like seeing her part. So, was this what was supposed to be in another, was in a girl video? Like, all this went to the Vans video? I mean, to me, it was like, oh, this is the going pro video that I wanted. You know, the, the going pro video that we got from Girl was trash. You know, like basura. <laughs> so then, this was like what we wanted. So why did Krail Tap drop the ball? Or maybe it's just like, hey, maybe there was an agreement, just like, hey, we'll give you like a little joint, and then we'll let Vans do like the big welcome part. Yeah, I think it's just Vans had the juice, and I'm sure Vans pays more than Girl, so it's just like Vans. Vans gets the footy. You know, it's going to be part of this big project, whereas like this welcome video or going pro video is just like a one-off thing on the internet but i don't know because yeah, for is, me i would want my going pro video to be really fucking good so that everybody like yeah templeton deserves to be pro but uh, yeah this was definitely her most complete part like the hard flip down that double set was pretty crazy like the the footage from the cover i was waiting to see the cover footy templeton did you say you like to see the footage first before the cover or vice versa i think you said I, that one time. i like footy first because I, I think that the footage is more of like a document of the trick. Right, and then right. the photo is more of like a piece of art that you're going to like spend some time with, hopefully. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you can kind of imagine the footy from the photo. But if you see the footy first, it has more of an impact, I think. Right, because the photo, it's like you already create the footage in your head. You're like, okay, they rolled up, yeah. they did the cooker grind, and then they rolled down. Yeah, and they tell you the they're caption not they're not going to put a non-make on, so you know it's been landed. So yeah. it's just kind of like they, I filled in the blanks myself. Yeah, and they even tell you in the caption, like, it's tough So you can even, like, you know. Hard-hitting question. Is Frog the next all-timers? Man, I was thinking, like, I was thinking about this because Nick, Mich Nick Michelle, McMichael, damn it. He, like, probably had the most current part as far as, like, how kids, you know what I mean? Your average, like, 16 to 22-year-old, like, likes to skate and shit and skates on a daily basis. Frog might be, like, the next rural industries, dude. Like, 
like everyone made fun of world like oh they have like you know little elementary school graphics and shit but like they have some rippers man and if for some reason antonio like officially gets on probably like, look out you know what i mean wait which antonio I, antonio Dural? yeah Dural. oh word my what i don't know like i'm he's i think he was in a bunch of their videos and shit but yeah like look out they might be the new industry uh titan I would welcome that. Wait, wasn't Antonio Duras supposed to get on some whack company numbers? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Man, numbers. Art, you know, recipes, numbers. <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's something about them that, like, I find myself going back to their videos over and over when I kind of want to just tune out. Tend to walk. I tend to watch like frog videos or like some of like uh, just like the stuff that they've thrown up on YouTube or people have compiled. Who've done Instagram? Who've done YouTube uh, comps of all of their Instagram footy? Like, there's something about it's like um, they kind of remind me if they were a food. They kind of remind me of like um, grilled cheese and like a thing of tomato soup. There's something about it that just makes you feel very warm and fuzzy, which is yeah, odd it feels for a like skate a company. It feels organic and real. It's not like a a team like we got to have the guy from here and the guy who skates this way or that way. It's just like yeah, these are all people that we like. Like we yeah, yeah, they, they they got a little bit of juice, man. You know, and I, the fact that they annoy like your average like thirty five to forty five year old skater, you know, the demographic in you know, which we fall is even better. Like, gives them even more juice. Oh hell yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> but um, you know, Patrick, you mentioned the sunny day real estate before. You're you're against that trend. Is it first of all, is this really a trend like the '90s emo music supervision? Yes, I will give you a quote from uh, the Nick Michael interview in Monster Children. What kind of music you've been listening to? I've been listening to that band Pavement a bunch and Smashing Pumpkins, Weezer, Random Rap. It's basically teenagers and early 20-somethings going through and flicking through 90s record collections. And I love Pavement. Um, and I have time for the first three Smashing Pumpkins records. Uh, Weezer, we won't talk about publicly. Um, but just like, I... You know, especially growing up in a growing up in a suburb, even an inner ring suburb of, of New York, um, there's always something that seems very sort of um, parochial and suburban and reflective about a lot of '90s emo, and I wanted nothing to do with it when I was younger. And today, I'm a little bit more tolerant. I was thinking more aspirational. I was like. Bright Lights, Big City, Sonic Youth, Jarvis Cocker from Pulp. Like, you know, I'm trying to be aspirational with how I'm, I'm listening to my music. I don't want to, oh, there's, and there's something weird about it with skating. Like, um, because a lot of, um, especially that era is so dynamic musically. Um, you know, a lot of very, very quiet parts. I, I just don't think it goes very, very well with skating. I know this is blasphemy for some people, but just, I just never vibed with it. Templeton, Jason, like, I well, mean. I was like a hardcore kid slash emo kid at the time, so I fucked with all that shit. Like Sunday Real Estate, uh, Mineral, Christie Front Drive, uh, Promise Ring, all that shit. So I love this trend. Actually, it kind of takes me back to that era. Like that one Hot Water Music song in the, um, I guess it's a part like the montage with that channel, or whatever. Like that shit was rad, dude. Like it had a little like aggro vibe. Like those other songs, I think it was half Japanese. Like was kind of twee, like, you know what I mean? Like, skating, supposed to, uh, skating is the best one is aggro, in my opinion, or skating music supervision. So I fuck with that song heavy. So I, I, well, I for one, welcome this trend. Uh, the, the twee thing makes me feel weird because um, <laughs> there's, 
it's like almost like we're like we're once again in this twee space again. And I remember some years back um, when all the Brooklyn bands were basically trying to sound like Sarah Records from from the UK and trying to sound like the Pastels who are from um, where are they from? They're from uh, Scotland. Shout out to Stephen Pastel. And just this sort of like fringe haircut, like shitty guitar playing and lyrics that don't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> like uh, I have a lot of time for the the first wave from the UK, but like. I don't want to hear if I want to hear bad guitar playing. I don't know. Like it, it's and, and I mean like we're to the point where just like y'all couldn't even take five minutes to tune everything. Goodness, I just I just don't think it. I just don't think it works with with the way that a lot of people skate. <laughs> um, and I don't know. Maybe that's just me being me, me being mean. But um, I mean like Templeton, what do you think of the music? I liked it. I. I, like Jason, was into that kind of music at the time. And there was a lot of promising in, like, 411 back in the day. So Oh, I, yeah, yeah, I remember that one MJ, the one Mark Johnson part. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Sorry. So I'm, I'm down for the emo stuff, stoked to hear it in the videos. And I, I reached out to a friend of the show, Greg Hunt, and asked him about the, uh, the Sunny Day Real Estate and Hot Water music features specifically. And he said that Nick Michael chose that Sunny Day Real Estate song. So I, I always think it's cool when the skater picks their song. Uh, and then Shari White, who was the main filmer behind the Canadian section, uh, she picked the Hot Water Music song. And uh, Greg said that she put a lot of work into finding music for her edits. So I, I think that they've got soul, like those music choices. So I'm I mean, At least it's, it's reflective yeah. of taste and not just... Um, Oh, we just threw some whatever music. Um, so then that begs the question. Why is it Vans can do this video, but none of the Soltech brands can? I mean, they got manpower. Uh... <laughs> They're putting out videos like crazy. You know, like a couple weeks ago, they put out like the Vans Europe, put out that video going to Sicily and skating all that like crazy abandoned infrastructure. And then like the Vans Europe folks are putting stuff out all the time. So I, I think they just have a video machine is, you know, uh, Soltec is, just is, doesn't. Is Florentin Marfang still on Vans Europe? I don't know. He's he's uh no idea. Whenever I see him on Instagram, he's still skating the same type of like Vans Cupsole from like 2002 or something. Sick. Saved all his boxes. <laughs> yeah, shout out shout out that guy. He's, he's still doing so it in Barcelona somewhere. It's like it befuddles me that you know Etnies could be doing videos like this. What do you I mean? They just has the they, juice. They don't have like. The creative folks, they don't have the vision. You know, like, who who even is on Etnies? There's, like, a lesser McClung, probably, and then... Yeah, there's a McClung. Who else? That, um, that other Canadian that TJ Rogers? Canadian. No, he's on Ez. That, that part that he put out recently was fucking good. Oh, yeah, it was, like, all VX or something, or it looked like it was VX. Yeah, I think No Music also. Yeah, he has really good pants, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, wait, wait. They got Chris Jocelyn. Like, come on, like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Give him oh, and also um, uh, uh, Nassim Lashab. Uh, why don't like put like a put them two in a part together, something like that? Like, come on, like even like like a one more one more Sheckler part, you know? And put some cool music in there too. Yeah, Sheckler part would be probably amazing. Man, you know, and like maybe make it super meta and like uh, basically like do an update of uh, Life of Ryan. I mean. Come on, man! Like he he needs to give us one more, just 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 one more. But like, Etnies could be doing this. S could be doing this. Uh, 
you know, somebody is at Soltech could be doing this. Like this, this Vans video, this Vans video is cool. Like you could, I'm sure Soltech has enough money to pay somebody to do something cool. But I don't, I don't think Soltech is attracting the right people. Like they might have enough money, but the people with the vision are like, I don't want to make an Etnies video. I want to make a Vans video or a Nike video. So I think that's the know. issue. So they need a middle. They, 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 need, they need somebody in the middle, like a, like a vibe consultant to come in and get things right, to bring in those creatives who will take them to the next level. Like that, that could be a job, right? And skating, like I said, vibes, you know? I help people yeah, it's come like together a, it's, for the vision. It's a, it's a brand consultant. Exactly. <laughs> it's a, it's a, no, that's a real job. Maybe the most skateboarding branding but, agency can take that on. But, uh, Oh, I'm yeah, talking like, about change like, management. I'm talking about the whole organization. <laughs> you know, theoretically, if they came out with like a trilogy type thing and just had a part with like the, the dopest people, like a Wade part, a Jocelyn part, whoever, well, America, America just came out with a video. So just like a as combined as Etnies video, just like the dopest people, all, all the Euro kids, it might, it might be something. See, you're giving away jewels for free. You should be charging. <laughs> you should be charging for this. That's a little team. taste of what you get from the mostly skateboarding creative agency. First well, one. Don't free. take our word for it. <laughs> Speak to another satisfied client. But uh, yeah, Vans is so ridiculous. They didn't even there was they didn't even have Gilbert or who's the other guy, the the fifties guy, the greaser guy. <laughs> that doesn't narrow it down. No, it doesn't really narrow it down. Um, Jason Adams. No, not him. Oh, Eliza Burl. Yeah, Burl, yeah. Well, they just put out a video like not too long ago. Yeah, true. All right, okay. Well, is that Patrick? I haven't seen pictures of him recently. Is he a greaser now? Um, I think his current vibe is more like Cholo. Is that that an offensive term? Can I even say that? I think you can say that. That's not offensive. People, like, there's uh, people self identify as uh, Chola, Cholo. Um, Whether or not it's appropriate for Mr. Elijah Burl to be copping that look. Yeah, he it's was up for he debate. Was, he was definitely on on some uh, some greaser shit in that. Yeah, movie like Gilbert. See my man hanging out on uh, Whittier Boulevard on Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, trading trading the the Porsche SUV in for a lowrider or some shit. Hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> that I welcome. That that I definitely welcome. Yeah, actually, yeah, like that that shows the depth of the Vans team. That just like we got a whole bunch of people. They're not even in the video. How you like me now? Like yeah, like Andrew Reynolds wasn't in the video. Like. There's probably a whole slew of people that were. Oh, that's too much. You can't. You can't be bringing in Reynolds and Chima Ferguson. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, this was the Chima uh, Sodi power play at the end of the day. So we'll see who's who's next. Who fires the next shot? I think it's gonna be Uto with a full length, uh, a full length part. But I don't know. He got that Olympic gold though. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the Olympic gold is probably the first, the first swing in his. Uh, yeah. You know, fight for Sodi. Yeah, he had a then, cover. He had an interview, but Chima also has a couple other things going for him. A, a sponsor that can sponsor, a sponsor that can bankroll like the prerequisite like Sodi trip. You know, to obviously Australia, which is a preferred Sodi trip destination. So he has those things going for him as well. So guess we'll see next few weeks. Do we want to talk about any of these middle players from the video? We got Ronnie Sandoval, Alexi Krasny, Notis Agilis, uh, Japan, China yeah, represent. That, that one guy, Notis, had really good spot porn in his part. I, I thought it was from like Cyprus or something, but is he Greek? You said Notis he's Greek. Yeah, he's Greek. So in that zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can kind of tell from like the uh, 
just from the marble and shit. Yeah. Shout out to but, Japan. Uh, I'm loving all the new Japan footage that's been coming out over the last, I guess, year and a half. It's it's sick. Uh, was it uh, Daiki Hoshino? Really, really good. Yeah, um, giving giving some Dylan vibes, which we welcome. R.I.P. the God. Five years ago this month. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, wait, Templeton, you mentioned this in your notes as well. Was Sandoval's table stuff like satire? I think it must have been. It was <laughs> subpar. But I, I don't know because he also had that fake Yali down the big four, which yeah, is like. That's- that was like a gnarly trick, but also like a gnarly trick for like one of my homies when we were at our best, you know? Like Yeah, yeah. But then like he backed it up with some legitimately really fucking gnarly shit into some really crazy banks. So it's oh, like yeah. like was it in there just as like a, a lark or was it serious? Like I, I don't know. Definitely threw me for a loop. And oh, I, I thought it was funny when I saw yeah. it. I was like, "Huh. 50/50 shove it on a table." Yeah, that, there were probably some in like invert MBDs in there, but like we don't care because you know it's 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 a mostly safe playing podcast. Yeah. yeah, I mean I'm, like... I'm blind to that <laughs> shit. This this was actually like I think what the the shocking thing was like if this is on in a shop over the next couple of weeks, I'll probably definitely like pause and be like, let me watch it, you know, watch a, a little bit of sitting here, and then end up just hanging out the entire time. Like it's like a, a it's a little sad when a video like this comes out after the summertime at least in the northern hemisphere because like this is the kind of video you want to put on before you go out and skate and like let's say people are meeting you at your place like this is uh it it has that vibe it has that you know like oh hold up hold up let's just why let's just like wait to uh, chima's part and then we'll go um and putting something out like that in october um granted it's not sub freezing in southern california uh, but it's definitely cooler it's been very very windy so it's been hard to skate um, and seeing this like got me really, really hyped. And then to you know have you know Santa Ana winds going on outside, and it's all dry, and you've got to change up your moisturizer game because you're ashy. <sighs> Frustrating. But like, shouts to Vans for putting out like a very good video like this late in the year. Yeah, man. I mean, well, I mean, here in the Mid Atlantic, at least, like in the summer, it's too hot to skate in the middle of the day. You know what I mean? There's like a half hour time period where it's. You know what I mean? When the funds go down shit, when you can really escape. So this is like the prime skate time around here. It's like skate season. So, you know, for me, for us, it's pretty sick. Pretty, pretty stoked on it. Man, I would be really stoked if it was prime skate season here in the Northwest. But it is uh, very rainy or getting to be rainy. But anyway, that brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Jason, what are you stoked on this week? Well, first of all, stoked on Venture Trucks out of San Francisco, California. Stoked that I was able to obtain an Xbox Series X, which is rad. Um, yeah, hit me up on Xbox Live, one more Warzone. And yeah, in the past couple of weeks, especially since I was out, a ton of shit has dropped, especially uh, on the free Skate Mag website. That's some of my go-to plug for footy. Specifically, there was uh, that video called all right yeah by i guess it's a french t-shirt brand or something by jeremy with yeah a bunch of paris pop porn and like some carl akins and eric Rare footage that was super sick also the taste video from a brazilian shop called mkd if you're into the brazilian shit which i am and finally stoked on the keith denley pro part over on quarter snacks pretty sick new york type footage there. Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? 
I'm stoked on Spitfire Wheels, also out of San Francisco, California. I'm beyond stoked that it's almost the weekend because I'm exhausted. Um, I got to skate a new park this past weekend, uh, Malibu Bluffs, which is right near Pepperdine University. It's about an hour from central LA, even without traffic, and it was completely worth it just for the view of the Pacific Ocean and the bluffs above. Um, really, really fun uh, temporary wood park. Um, I actually kind of hope they keep it. Even though I ride Ventures, I'm actually stoked on a new independent video, not only because of everybody who's in it, but also because it has a great soundtrack. Um, it's a lot of German stuff. It has music by Noi and Amon Duel 2. I'm also stoked on Jenkins 7.75 hat that just dropped uh, because that was the go-to size, like 95 to 2000, 7.75. I actually just set up, um, I had um, an old set of um, Venture 5.0s and I was just like, you know, what? let me just set up a 7.75 board just for, just for laughs and it's so weird. I, I ride uh, 825s or 838s now and it feels strange. It's a big difference. Uh, Templeton, what are you stoked on? Uh, you know, there's always some, some truck talk on our podcast, but I'm usually pretty quiet about it. But this week, I'm stoked on Thunder Trucks. Just got two sets, uh, one for my regular skate and another set for a new cruiser that I'm going to set up with a uh, friend of the show, Josh Love, his uh, first pro board from the Killing Floor. Uh, they don't make it in my regular size, so I'm going to get the big boy and set it up as a cruiser. So stoked on my thunder trucks that's it for the show this week be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to things that we talked about and other show notes until next time you can keep up with us all week online patrick where can the people find you y'all can find me on twitter at colonel k speaks you can also find me um, on instagram and clubhouse at pkgongo and doing stuff with the harold hunter foundation jason where can the people find you on the internet uh, on Twitter at Carbonite1994, on Instagram at FrozenCarbonite, and writing stuff for quartersnacks.com. Templeton, where can the people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding and on Twitter at Mostly Skate. We'll see you guys next week. Later.